Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 584. My name is Eric Nelson. And with me today, I have my co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, November 8th. No, wait, December 8th, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, we're time traveling. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, no, it's already December. I want it to be November. I want to go eat some more turkey, right? Like, no, I don't. I feel like I was a goose where they pinned me down and they just put food in me. And now they're going to harvest my liver and make a pate or so, something like that. So, yeah. But uh, Christmas is coming. I'm excited. Matt, how you doing? Well, you know, December 8th, and that means that the expert applications that I'm sure that Corey will get to here just in a second are now officially open. So uh, as of course, reach out to your local vExpert Pro if you have questions about that application process. And by all means, uh, take the time to apply and go through the, the application itself. Uh, but with that, sir, I am well. It is snowing here in central Pennsylvania. We're supposed to get our first, uh, let's call it, noticeable snowfall of a couple of inches. But how are things out there on the West Coast with all of the weather? I know it's been significantly colder out there. How are you and what is the color of the bay? Well, we are setting up for the December season. It is cold and rainy and cloudy and windy. So the color of the bay is a choppy green with almost like a mud color because it's just so windy and choppy here that it's like we just transitioned into midwinter, which I love it because we're coming into the holiday season. I'm uh, ordering all my fun tech gear, kind of going to go play with the metaverse over Christmas. Uh, hopefully, Any my- special Christmas gifts that you want for yourself out there for our listeners, Eric? So- that they could, you know, yeah, I'm then load them over to, yeah, yeah. Send me uh, many uh, Oculus twos uh, because uh, I'm going to go play Metaverse and I'm going to get that VMware podcast address and buy it with my cryptocurrency and you know be, make my virtual avatar with which will be skinny, no liver harvested, and uh, I'll, I'll have fun with that. Um, but you know, before we get too much into Color Bay, muddy green Christmas season, cold and choppy. Don't go outside. Geek out inside and play with all the tech stuff. Uh, before we do that, uh, I will just mention the topic of the today because we you know, we have uh, our guest here, Sakari Aresh, or Aresh Sakari. See, I messed it up anyway. Principal Engineer, Solutions Architect, Dell Inc. He's here. We're going to be talking about uh, Azure, right? And cloud services on Azure. He has a great blog article, Deployment and Networking, that we're going to talk about. So we're going to spend some time talking about Azure today. So stay tuned. But before we get to Aresh, uh, let's... Flip over to Corey, and he can do the V expert, uh, the expert announcements, and let him get on with his day. Hey, everybody! Uh, thanks, Eric. So, yes, Matt. Yes, V expert applications are open. They're open until January fourteenth. So, please do apply. Uh, if you have any hesitations, need any help, uh, reach out to a V expert pro. How you contact the V expert pros is go to vexpert.vmware.com 
slash directory. On that page, you'll see a tab, VExpert Pro. Click that, find a VExpert Pro in your country. You can reach out to them as well, there. You can also reach out directly to me, C-R-O-M-E-R-O at VMware.com or the VExpert handle at VExpert on Twitter. Um, so yeah, you please apply and uh, can't wait to see the results uh, in February. Clay, what's the timeline for applicants? So applicants have till uh, February 8th, or sorry, till January 14th to apply. Um, and then we are, we're going to announce on February 18th. Fair enough. And then a week after that announcement, we will open applications for the sub-programs. Um, so we're going to have nine to 10 sub-programs um, this year. So we're going to carry the ones over from last year. Nice. And we had uh, actually, uh, for those listeners that were out there that, that want to, to expand a little bit on uh, the EUC, the expert subprogram, Corey and I were, had the, the pleasure in participating in the digital workspace tech zone pro, uh, podcast with Jose Negrano uh, that should drop uh, for those listeners out here. We're recording on 12-8, on 11-8 as we have time traveled again, uh, but that should be out later this week. Uh, for those that wanted to go through and hear a little bit more about the VExpert EUC subprogram and some of the, the details that Corey and I went through with Jose there. But again, please reach out to your local VExpert Pro if you have any questions about the application process. And that is for whether you're you know, a VExpert that maybe was in the past and it's returning to the program or someone that is just net new and applying for the first time. Nice. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. All right. And with that, um, we will get on with the show. So let's uh, introduce our guest, um, guest who is, again, uh, Aresh Shikari, Principal Engineer, Solutions Architect, Dell Inc. Aresh, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you work and what your career arc look like? Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, Thank you for having me. First of all, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast and I'm first time guest on the podcast. So I'm extremely excited and thank you very much for inviting me. So my name is Arish Sakari. I'm working as a senior solutions architect at Dell Technologies. I've been working here in the Sydney office for the last three years and I help uh, customers in the APJ region for end user compute. Uh, I'm currently handling a large customer in the ANZ region, and we would be talking about that. That was the reason why I had written the blog post. And before Dell, I was working with VMware. So I've been with VMware for five years, uh, and I was there in the India office in VMware. I moved from India office to Sydney in Dell Technologies. And uh, that, uh, in VMware, I was responsible for doing the end-user compute uh, for uh, VMware internally. And and uh, before that, uh, be, before VMware, I was also uh, working for Unisys, where I was doing uh, service portfolio development for uh, as a service model. Uh, so that all comprise in a nutshell is give or take more than 10 years but i have two decades and just don't want to go back and back in time but this summarizes the last 10 years in a nutshell 
Nice. I, I got to ask you, like going from VMware to Dell, we get a lot of people that come from Dell to, to, to VMware. Uh, don't see that very often, but I assume it's be also because you're moving locations and different job roles. What's you, what are your thoughts around the cultural difference between VMware and Dell? Do you see much of a difference uh, between the two companies? One's very hardware focused, one's very software focused. I know that they kind of bleed over. Uh, what's your thoughts on the cultural differences between the two companies? Yeah, especially uh, after the split, that's a, a great call out here. Uh, especially after the split, I, I haven't noticed any behavior or any changes with anyone over here in the VMware office. I do talk to quite a few VMware guys internally, in even in India and out here in the Australia region, and no behavior changes, nothing. We still good friends and happy to work with each other. Uh, as far as the culture goes, um, the, the, like there's a big difference about around the mindset when I came in, but uh, nothing too crucial to be pointing about or anything like that. It, it is uh, happy. Both companies are great to work with. Uh, just that different strategies here and there. One is very much uh, software defined. The other is hardware and software combined together. So there is that aspect of hardware, definitely, which is internal. Uh, but other than that, uh, all I can say is that both the companies are great to be working with. And you ha asked a very, uh, very difficult question. How did you move from VMware to Dell? So uh, when I moved from India to Australia, uh, we couldn't make the internal role move out, moving out workout so and this dell technologies opportunity came in and i just grabbed it with two hands and i'm very uh, happy and glad to be working now with dell technologies Nice, nice. Well, it, uh, I'm excited to hear at the end of the show, if you're listening to the show, you want to stay till the end. We do talk barbecue and you got some cool barbecue stories that uh, we talked about before the show. Looking forward to that. But let's move on and let's talk a little bit about uh, Azure because, you know, everybody talks about Amazon Web Services, right? But uh, when you... when you, Especially look, yesterday. Yeah, yep. Uh, and when you look at the, the blog article, right, it, you know, you, you mentioned the acronym AVS, which many of us don't even know what AVS stands for, right? And then let alone that we're on Azure, what the name is and that we've got these services. And so your blog article is as is at askaresh.com. You can tell me what that says. The blog article kind of talks about Azure. Why don't we first tell me about your blog and then we'll talk, you know, the destination. Then we'll talk a little bit about Azure and how long has VMware been in Azure? Why is Dell talking about Azure as well. Sure. So essentially, this is Azure VMware solution, which is nothing but a VMware SDDC, which comprises vSphere, vSAN, NSX, all combined together running in Azure as a private cloud. So in a nutshell, it's a private cloud running in Azure with the VMware SDDC components. And that's exactly uh, what you get once you click few buttons and you get a three node bare minimum cluster running SDDC on top of it. Uh, so let's talk about why did we wh why we were looking at this solution, right? Uh, because being Dell, why were we looking or why were we ev even evaluating this solution? So we uh, currently have two sites 
and we are running an active-active configuration, uh, which is a split of certain capacity. And we run a lot of offerings, out of a lot of offerings. I'm responsible for the end-user computer offering. And we needed a BCP DR kind of a solution where in the traditional sense, we could very well add hardware in site A and additional hardware in site B, and they both would work as a failover to each other in the traditional sense. Uh, however, we wanted to look at other solutions which were burstable and don't charge and you don't have a lot of capex involved right. in ordering and blocking the money as a capex for buying hardware for site a and site b and just leaving it as is running probably ideal until a disaster takes place so for that particular reason we were looking for burstable solutions where you have a small pod which is just running as a dr uh, and then when a dr happens you could expand it on demand rather than uh, like, you know, just having idle hardware sitting at both the places. That's when we started evaluating Azure VMware solution. Now, yeah, so let me, why... let me let me summarize that. I think I got that, which is Dell sells hardware. They sell hardware A, B, they sell hardware, right? And what you guys are doing is bundling up a DR solution with the hardware purchase so that I can just, I can buy the hardware and it just comes with a checkbox DR solution kind of, attached and the DR solution is cloud capacity in the back end and Dell presents that as an architecture that basically says, hey, if you buy our hardware, you'll get a DR solution attached right in the deal. Uh, yes, uh, we, we so we have multiple options, right? We right. could even do the option where we put the additional hardware at the site itself and have a DR on premises. It's uh, like that's option number one. But if you wanted a burstable, that's what we were looking for rather than just putting in all the money in and making the hardware sit idle on premise, we were looking at the burstable solution. So that was option number two. That's where we started evaluating this particular solution. Uh, and there was a particular reason why we were looking at Azure VMware solution. So we already know all prominent hyperscalers have a VMware SDDC, a private cloud solution with them, which is Amazon, uh, Google, Oracle, Alibaba, everyone has their own uh, flavored version of the VMware SDDC private cloud with them. Uh, in our case, our customer uh, is um, he, he considers Amazon as a competition, hence we could not uh, evaluate Amazon as a solution at all. So uh, the, uh, the VMC solution was completely off the table and the uh, footprint already existed uh, of Azure with the customer. So the Azure VMware solution made a lot of sense. Now, why the SDDC? Why not native Azure solutions versus why VMware along with it? That's a very interesting question and a very interesting topic because uh, we run Horizon and we run Horizon architecture with all the bells and whistles of all the sub products in the family app volumes, them, writable volumes, app stacks, everything, whatever you can talk about in the uh, in the Horizon EUC architecture, we leverage all the components and the biggest a requirement was like to like uh, experience even in the DR. So what the customer doesn't want 
is a degraded experience during a DR. He wants like-to-like -like experience, whatever the user has on his virtual desktops, as far as applications, as far as persistence, they want exactly the same thing during a DR as well. And that's what makes it very complicated that because they need like-to-like, -like, you need exactly the same stack running somewhere else to be capable to do give the like-to-like -like experience. Else, we were also evaluating certain uh, SaaS, uh, SaaS or slash DAS-based solutions called as Horizon Cloud, which also run as a portal provided as a SaaS. Arash, I was just going to ask that, that they consider HCOA. Horizon on Cloud, that's right, absolutely right. And that, that's one of the options on the table. However, there are some limitations because I said the requirement was like-to-like. -like. Right, we, the image we, management conversion that would need to require if we would do just the DAS service that HCOA pro, would provide. Exactly. If you're going for that like-for-like, that, like like, that true like-for-like like SDDC, from on-prem up to AVS, where, where it's all of the, the same management tools, the exact same image that they run on-prem on for their pools. But, uh, the, the conversion process quite isn't there yet with HCOA, right? That's right. And there's also certain features missing over and above that. Uh, so we, we created a nice uh, kind of a checklist to see what we can give like to like and we could do most of the things like to like by just running horizon cloud and then back in azure as well which is native azure for workloads so we could do we could use that as an option however the persistence which is a writable volume that's one feature which was lacking and hence because of that we needed a like to like solution of a vmware sdbc on which we could build Horizon on top and deliver the like-to-like -like seamless option uh, experience. But isn't it great though that we offer the customers that option, right? If the use case is there, writable volumes, we would need it for, for Persona, we can roll out the full SCDC stack. If the use case isn't there or where they want to just do it or consume it as a DAS service, we have HCOA. And you could see in large enterprise organizations, depending on the, the BU's use case, where you could have a mixture, right, of the solutions, where you would have, in some instances, a full-blown SDDC horizon deployment in up one of in these the, the hyperscalers, and where they might be consuming some HCOA desktops for maybe a, a burstable or a limited DR solution. We give the customer that option when it comes to these Horizon desktop pools. I couldn't agree more that we have plenty of options on the table, and that gives us the ability to pick and choose which one is right. I've been very fortunate enough to work only with large enterprise customers, and I've seen that when you have few options on the table, it makes it much more easier to pick and choose the right solution for the customer and make it a hybrid. And that's exactly this particular solution is a, uh, is a true hybrid evaluation that we were doing on, we have an on-premise, which is working perfectly fine. And this could be your hybrid extension for running it in Azure VMware solution and having the same like-to-like -to -like tools. That means no 
uh, reskilling people. It's exactly the vCenter, vSphere, NSX, which the team is exactly trained on, and they can leverage the same skills and manage the uh, cloud version, which is the Azure VMware solution with the same skills. So there's not a lot of upskilling requirement as well. Uh, yes, you, you have to learn the Azure portal here and there, but not a drastic shift in learning something net new if you went in like native help desk public tools, cloud. New desktop monitoring, right? What do we need to do to go in and to check, excuse me, performance of a user session, right? It, it, as you had alluded to, it's that exact same management interface, tooling, image management, uh, just everything that you, the, the, the whole management stack that we use for an on-prem deployment, it's just now shifted over to one of these hyperscalers. Arash, I want to take a step back though. I, I want to hear about a little bit of where the, the, the customer's journey. I'm, I'm assuming that they had some type of, of Azure tenant, right? They, could have been an, an O365 customer, maybe an E3, an E5, where they might have been doing some, you know, um, a hybrid um, Azure AD or, and, and whatnot. But how did did you walk them down that path from from an on-prem deployment into you know deploying this solution now across an on-prem and a hyperscaler SDDC? And, and what does that look like as far as the requirements gathering and where were they at to, to start? And, and how did that start to help you define of how you were going to, to lay down the prescription for their future state? Uh, in our situation, um, the customer was pretty much uh, already working with quite a few Azure services, not only Office 365, they also had some workload related services and database related services and file services and quite a bit and already the networking plumbing between the on-premise and the uh, Azure tenant using Express Route uh, and Global Tenant, it was already in place. So all that was in place. So this place wasn't a junior already. level consumption, right? This is, they're, they're already starting to leap in. And I'm assuming some of these services that they were consuming weren't on our particular um, you know, offering. They, these were native Azure VMs. Right, N okay. native, native PaaS services, SaaS services, and also infrastructure as a service that is just the virtual machines as well. So they had a blend of certain services running. And where we are right now at is, is still in the evaluation phase because uh, we've not uh, completely managed to put everything into perspective. Uh, we're still in the evaluation phases from a cost perspective, which is uh, still a very big thing. Uh, because if, as we all know, running in public clouds is a bit expensive. Uh, means no, no matter what, like even if you do whatever kind of ROIs and whichever way you want to swing it, uh, it's still a bit It's not expensive. cheaper, right? It, it's shipping it, or, or shifting where your consumption costs are and, and how you consume those costs, as we've often talked across multiple episodes here. And, and some organizations prefer to have that as, that, you know, the whole CapEx versus, um, you know, capitalization operations cost and, and where you want to put that down as far as, 
you know, do you want to have that as a monthly prescriptive fee or a large bucket that then you depreciate off? And some organizations can, uh, you know, consume that differently from one to the next. True. Most of the opera, uh, most of the organizations are tending towards the OPEX these days. But yes, there are certain industries where they rather prefer CAPEX kind of a model than the OPEX because that doesn't look good on their books uh, on year on year basis. So yes, we've, we've seen both. And as I said, we, we are still in the evaluation phases of this particular solution. Now, why, why this blog post and how did it all start it? Uh, first and the foremost thing is this particular solution is one of those solutions where it is extremely hard for someone to just go and give it a try. And there is one particular reason for that. In a typical scenario with any of the high hyperscalers, they give you one year free services. You can just put your email address without credit card as well. You could go and try out their services. In this particular scenario, this is a little different because now you're getting a three node dedicated cluster, which is the bare bones of the SDDC creation. Now, nobody wants to offer you that for free because it is an expensive affair to give you three physical nodes running with the SDDC software. Hence, these are like hardware. This is three compute, yeah. you know, i7, whatever the machine is. They're giving you three compute no full nodes to run a mini data center. Absolutely. In fact, three really nice, good sized nodes with 500 and some. RAM and 36 cores, and you're talking about- Yeah, these aren't light nodes by any means. I mean, this exactly. is even limping into to, for a POC that this is fairly beefy hardware. Absolutely, very beefy. So it's very hard to, if, if you wanted to just try it out, there's no way to try it out. That's where the VMware hands-on lab, the Lightning Labs, comes into play and that's exactly where I went in first time to go and play around the AVS solution, what is, how to deploy it, what is the network connectivity and there's a fabulous lab that have they've played it out. Now there's one caveat for people who've done other labs, it's not a live lab, so it's not like a, like, not a live lab, it is that screenshotted video joint lab which tells you click here, do this, click there, do that, put in the field, enter the enter the details from the console that, that's given for instructions. So they, that that's what this lab is. So if someone goes with the expectation that I'm gonna get a live lab to click around this and that and try out other options, that's not the case. It's a scripted lab, but a complete lab. That's the that's the good part about the Lightning Lab for uh, AVS. It's it's complete. So if you would take if you uh, are digging for deployment and networking of how to set it up and get going, that's the perfect starter for that. Plus there is tech zone uh, documentation to get you off the ground, and it is very intense and complete documentation. In other words, if we're going to bill you for those three nodes at some you know, significant cost per month, if you can get started prior to when the billing clock starts via these hands-on labs so that you can dive right in 
once you've actually swiped the card, so to say, that's going to put you all that much further ahead with your enterprise POC. You're, you're familiar with the console, you're familiar with some of the networking requirements, then you can start to, to dive right in, into what is the business drivers of, you know, particularly maybe migrating your workloads or um, interacting with the, the native Azure VMs that are already deployed and just put you that much further ahead down the path rather than starting from what is essentially net zero with getting to, to learn what, what the administrative interfaces and, and look like and how they might interact. I couldn't agree more. That would be a so much expensive exercise that I can't tell you. So just to give you that perspective, when I when I was evaluating and in, even in my blog, I've put in the pricing link. Uh, uh, as it's a three node, that and I'm talking with my region in Australia, East and the Australian dollar pricing. If you ran those three nodes, give or take, just ran them 24. They are 24 by seven. So if you just ran them for one month, your bill is $30,000, Australian dollars. Yeah, this this so, is not, you know, minuscule numbers by any means. I mean, there's, there's some serious numbers for uh, a POC evaluation here. Exactly, and that's just the uh, SDDC. Then, because you wanna layer up another horizon architecture on top, that means you need to deploy VMs and appliances which are usually, as a, as a best practice, deployed outside the workload SDDC. So now you need to start leveraging the Azure virtual machines to deploy those VMware appliances like brokers, uh, the uh, unified app access gateways, and so on and so forth. You need to do all of that, and that's additional. So absolutely, to just carry out that POC give or take, uh, my rough estimates based on the pricing calculator is $50,000 per month at least, even to just see it all live. So right. you, the, could, you could absolutely see where you would spin up another three node cluster where you would use as your initial cluster would be your management domain. And then your the, the, the second three node cluster would be your workload domain that would contain your UAGs, your connection servers, your DEM, your app volume manager, right? Yeah, Absolutely. hey guys, what I would say with this, you know, just to, to up-level the conversation a little bit, and then I wanna to get to your blog, is that if you're in Azure, right, and you're a customer, you're most likely running a lot of other stuff in Azure, right? You're you're already doing this because you've bought in the Microsoft solution stack on Azure. You've probably got an office. You probably have an enterprise deal with Microsoft that you're probably spending multiple millions of dollars uh, running all kinds of different apps. And so this is a case where you're probably going to fold this into your budget, right, and just do this at scale. Yeah, sure, you're going to yeah, get a little discount, right, 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 right off. But of not, not even discount. You're just you're just buying an enterprise. You're buying $5 million, $10 million worth of Microsoft. To, and they're moving all their customers, office, mail servers, calendar, everything into Azure. So this is just a ticket price of running modern cloud desktop infrastructure. You're already signed up for cloud. And for me, this is about how do I turn on this feature set? How do I enable this, right, to, to you know, to you know, manage my virtual desktop environments, right? And that this is just a component that 
now we always get into this issue of how do I get experience, right? You know, so that I can convince my management that I'm qualified to operate, right? And so this is where the hands-on lab comes into it. Like you need to get experience with this. Your company is probably already making this decision for a lot of other reasons than just it's 50K one way or the other, right? Because they're probably bought into Azure or they can't be on Amazon because of competitive issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I like... I don't think we have to drill down too much into the total expense model of why, because why is probably because your your EVP has come down saying we're go we're Azure shop go make all of this feature sets happen. Uh, then you can comment in a second, but then I do want to get back to your blog and talk about the major components on your blog that you've listed in the second section after the mo- uh, the mind map. And I want to ask you about mind map, but Matt, I'll let you comment on my comments, and then we'll get back to his blog. I would, I agree for enterprise customers that might apply, but for right. a smaller tier or, or let's call it large commercial space that is just consuming maybe an O365 license and they're looking to maybe figure out how to make that cloud transition where it might be an issue of what's our DR strategy or do we make on, more on-prem investments on hardware or do we just go you know to one of the hyperscalers right now that initial poc cost that's nothing to blink at for for some of those smaller tier organizations that's why i say this doesn't apply to them this is not going to be something that you know you're not going to make 50k i've run a mid-sized 80 million dollar company i'm not going to buy a 50k solution to do dr you know that's just that's not what this solution's about this solution's about going after you know the top you know the the, the, everybody that's that's running where the the service providers step in right Right. where where they can slice out where they're the ones that go and buy the three nodes or, or the six node clusters or, or right. whatnot. And then they're able to fractionalize sure. that service out. And, and if you look uh, at how VMware went to market with our cloud and EVMZ and CNWS, we started this way as well, right? We, originally, if you wanted to go to buy some VMC and AWS, it was like, you know, 100K just to get turned on. Right. And and then that's going to be per quarter Like you. You better have already made the decision that this is where you're going and investing, because when you turn this stuff on, which is why we always had to go, like, how do you get experience for the experts and other people to to coach your your executive staff on whether we should turn it on when it costs 100 grand just to get experience on it? Right. So same problem, same solution is you should already know what you're doing. Right, or you should. You're going to make that decision not because you got some experience running this stuff. You've made this decision because you know, your company decided to go in this direction, and that's what it's going to be like. Right, until somebody gives you a super low cost, you know, Amazon swipe your credit card and you spend two k a quarter. Uh, but I don't see VMware doing that across the board yet either. And Azure simply, I don't see it. Right. All right, with that. Your blog article, I think it starts with mind map. What does mind map mean, right? And uh, take us through this blog article for a little bit. Sure. So as uh, mentioned before, I was following the Lightning Lab and doing all the activities. Now, what I actually, after doing the whole lab, I was done with it. I was very happy. However, I just didn't want it like a, 100 page a document to remember anything. So what I did was I created this mind map of high level bullets of each and everything that you need to do this whole solution from top to bottom, that is deployment and networking guide. Uh, and 
I did a mind map which just describes and visualizes the entire flow in a format which all you could do is take a glance and you don't need to read the 100 page document and you know exactly what needs to be. Now note, this is only applicable if you, if you know what to do. If someone just tried to look at this and try to do it first time, then the detailed guide on the Lightning Hands-On Lab is much more useful. However, if you've done it, now you just want to remember on a high level what to do. This is a visual representation of the thoughts and the details and the requirements of that whole solution in a MyMat format. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then below that, you link to the PDF. You can go download uh, the, the, the document. Uh, then you have quick start links, which are really nice. Those are kind of self self-evidentiary, right? Uh, AVS text zone, uh, AVS hands-on lab links, AVS pricing, AVS Microsoft Doco, docs from docs for Azure solutions and AVS logical diagrams. So these are all just clean links to get you started if you're looking at expanding your knowledge on these solutions. Exactly. I would just like to lay more emphasis that if anybody is trying to evaluate this particular solution, the first three links are your top priority. First, go to the uh, VMware Tech Zone for Azure VMware Solutions, a dedicated space with all the solution. It, it goes through all the design decisions on a high level, tells you which one to pick, and puts the whole uh, diagrams and uh, high level architecture into perspective. Followed by, if you really wanted to try out this whole solution without uh, without putting your own credit card in, then the best way to do it is the hands-on lab. Again, it's scripted. The link is already there in that particular blog post. It's scripted, but it's worth doing that whole lab end-to-end -end and gaining the entire experience rather than doing it live with your credit cards. And last not the least is the pricing. Very important. Once you've played around and you're happy and you're ready to kick off the POC, that's when the day you click on deploy of your three nodes, that's when the price starts. And you need to be aware what you are signing up for. A pricing calculator takes you through every details of what the per node is going to cost you. And there are some options like one year, uh, one year, two years, one year, two years, and three years dedicated subscriptions where you just lock in for that period of time and you get better pricing year on year if you opted for those kind of pricing models. So first three links, extremely useful to begin your journey if you are evaluating AVS. Yeah, and I'll just cut to that because uh, I just went through it. I'm doing my calculator now. So based on that, I, I'm looking at 36 cores for your definitely machines, 567 gigabyte of RAM for $10.41 an hour times 24 hours a day times 365 is yeah 100k $91,191 a year and then they they if you if you commit to that year you save uh from 1041 an hour to 692 an hour if you do 3 years you're down to 486 an hour which really it's because it's round numbers you can say 100k for a year uh, hourly uh, one year is 60K or 60.9, so 70K for one year and 
50k for three-year reserved contract. So that's the summary of the prices. So you get 100k, 70k, or 50k for for those three options they're giving you on the pricing page at Microsoft. Cool, nice link, nice link. And reserve, uh, and when, if you know for a fact that the project is going to last longer reserve instance is the way forward to make it at a discounted price rather than paying the hourly price of the instances yeah absolutely and uh from there we hit on to the last part which is just like a bonus uh, in the blog article. So there's two ways to actually deploy this SDD. Uh, in fact, there are many ways to deploy this uh, VMware SDDC in any of our hyperscalers. Uh, however, one of the methods, which is the Microsoft or the Azure method called as the ARM, uh, Azure Resource Manager method, which is essentially the automated method. So the first method which the labs and everything takes you through is the UI. So you go into the Azure portal, it's just a three-pager form, uh, three-pager quick start wizard. You just enter in the details, you hit finish. Uh, after uh, one, and a half, one hour plus, you get a three-node cluster done. It's not trivial anyways, even if you did it through the UI. But there is another way, which is the automated way. So if you're doing automation and you want to deploy the Azure VMware solution, you could use the ARM template. And this is just a snippet of the ARM template. Now, there's only uh, an, an uh, advantage that is it's repeatable. Secondly, there's one good option. If you deployed it through the Azure, uh, ARM template, you have the ability to select or put the passwords of your choice for the vCenter NSX manager that it deploys. If you do, if you deployed it through the UI, you would get a random password for your SDDC. However, if you wanted a particular username and password for your SDDC, then if that's an option available via the ARM template. So all you do is Put, fill out all the details. That's exactly what I've done. Select your region, select your resource group, select your tags if you like, the node names, which essentially this 36 core machine is called as AV36. You put in all the details and hit and run it through PowerShell or through the CLI, Azure CLI, which, whichever is your preference method for deployment and you have a three node cluster with some more customization and good part is once you have that a json file uh, laid out you could repeat and deploy from there as many times as you like so it becomes much more like a, a repeatable um, infrastructure as a code kind of an option and arrest what's required as far as the on-premises networking requirements on behalf of the, the customer for connectivity so we we need to go ahead and create the vpn uh, essentially called as express route between the on-premise and it is uh, it is an advanced version of vpn in short which is putting in the connectivity between your on-premise there are different subscriptions on there as well depending on how much back and forth you are going to do between the on-premise and the Azure, you can still pick and choose that much amount of gigabits per month 
and pick up the express route. And essentially, the reason why express route is if you are an enterprise, you could do a VPN, which is not recommended. Uh, it's just if you're doing a POC, then you could just do a site-to-site -site VPN and get started. But if you are doing enterprise grade, the preferred route is the express route where you establish a link between the on-premise using an ISP as a provider in the backend, which Azure does with big, uh, all telecom providers locally. And you establish that thing, uh, establish the network and pay on a subscription basis per month, depending on your throughput that you're going to use on a monthly basis. Okay, cool. Cool. Like it. Like it. So uh, as we come up to the 45-minute, uh, Aresh, um, we like to transition to um, you're doing your POC, you're doing evaluation right now. What's your timeline and where do you think you guys are going with regard to you know recommending the service? Uh, we are looking at uh, early next year to start, start doing it in probably real time, still subject to all evaluations, passing on and moving on. So probably next year is what we are targeting for this. All right, cool. Um, other question I always ask people, you've got your blog out, pretty nice blog. I see you've got other articles. I see you're also a V expert uh, based on what I see on the blog. What is uh, kind of your goals for blogging as you move forward? Uh, looks like you've got, you know, script API kind of blogs going on. You got this AVD uh, blog happening. What are their blogs? How do you choose what you're going to write about next? Uh, it, it, this is an extremely interesting question, and uh, I've been blogging since quite some time. I'm a six times V expert, and I, I, I'm happy that the applications just got open. So anybody in the APJ region need help with filling out the V expert applications, please feel free to hit me up. I'll be more than happy to help you guys filling out the application or even guiding you through the experience and future V experts, if not this one. So more than happy to do that. From a blogging perspective, uh, I, I have lately this year has been a lot of scripting, a lot of scripting around day two ops, which is from VMware Horizon stack, all products, Horizon app volumes, UAGs, all of those particular day two kind of uh, situations, which are pretty if you do it through the UI are still not trivial, but you could do it through the scripting method. So a lot of scripting, I probably think even next year, it's going to be more and more automation stuff coming onto the blog. Uh, and yes, I've been evaluating other solutions and hence uh, that Azure, uh, Azure virtual desktop blog post along with VMware as well. So trying to evaluate plus a goal which I, it's very hard to maintain is want to do at least four blog posts a month. I'm really not sure if I can do that. I, I, I'll aim for it, aim high, and see whatever you achieve. I, I got to say that's a, that's pretty good because I know we do this podcast every Wednesday, which is one a week, right? And a week's click by and come up really quick. There's like a moment where it's like I'm like, 
oh no, it's Monday and you know, Wednesday's coming up and we don't really have a guest scheduled. Now we've done much better with Julia because she can reach out and get people on the show. So that's been easier. But hey, let me tell you, weekly, weekly is tough. Even two a month is tough. Even one a month is tough, right? Because like time ticks by and this is not your day job, right? So I, I got to give you credit for, for being able to do that. I, I, I like the blog. I'll do another shout out. A-S-K-A-R-E-S-H.com. Go check it out. A uh, really nice blog. Um, you got script API. I'm looking at the script API deleted orphan writable volume from VMware app volumes manager. And you got a script listed in there, but I can't for the life of me figure out is that like a shell script is a PowerShell script. What script is that? This is a PowerShell script. Oh, so thank God. Horizon, okay. Good. And it is right. essentially uh, working with the REST APIs from Horizon. And it, it's a simple script. It just logs in, fetches the data, and does a delete using the API. So it's a PowerShell script using uh, uh, the REST APIs from uh, App Volumes. Now, you have a home lab that you're running this stuff against when you write it? Yes, absolutely. I have a, a, a server just sitting right next to me, and uh, it's a good, decent configuration. And it's got dual Xeon processors, quite a few terabytes of storage, and that's where everything runs. Uh, just, uh, just out of a sec, do, is it cold in Australia these days? And if so, do you spin up uh, doing Bitcoin mining on your home lab when when you're not running any kind of scripts? Because you know, I hear you can heat your house with it because it ramps up everything. Absolutely, it's not. It, it is summers in Sydney, Australia. Oh, that's true. It However, is. yeah, it's been raining left, right, and center since the last three weeks. Hence, the weather is become a very tricky right now. I'm taking a look outside and it looks like winters. So we're going through some changes, it looks like. Nice. I, I got to say, as we come up to the end of the show, uh, for me, the tech zone to know that Azure has, you know, a whole section on our, on the Azure solutions that VMware has a whole section on the Azure solutions is good for everybody to make note of. Uh, go check that out. Um, it's vmc.techzone.vmware.com. So it's hosted on vmware.com. Uh, and you can go to the Azure-VMware-Solution link you have there to kind of just go read about that. That's nice to know because we talk about VNC, VMC and AWS all the time, right? And we never really talk about AVS, even though Microsoft's climbing up in cloud uh, share, market share, right? They're, they're making headway every year. I mean, they're leveraging the Microsoft software products, but they're getting customers to take Azure seriously. So this, uh, for me, when we saw it on Dynamic Signal, uh, advocacy, it was uh, trending. I thought, oh my gosh, we got to have you on because there's just, we don't talk enough about where Azure's going. And in the early days, that's all we talked about was Microsoft and how VMware was tightly running all the Microsoft solutions, vSphere's underneath Microsoft. It was all Microsoft. And then, uh, you know, we, we've got Kubernetes and the Linux shift and everything there. And we kind of stopped talking about Microsoft, even though Dell, Microsoft, and VMware, if you really look at the history of VMware, it, that was the trio. It was, it was uh, Dell hardware, VMware, you know, either underneath or on top, and then Microsoft Solutions sitting embedded in those, right? So I, I think it's really cool that you've done this article and brought it to everybody's attention and that we should, we should all know what, you know, the acronym AVS stands for. Oh, uh, interesting fact from VMworld this year. 
was uh, Raghu and Satya uh, when they were doing their sessions. There was an interesting fact brought up by Satya in his session that the horizon on Azure, mm-hmm. so the horizon is the SaaS version, horizon cloud sure. is a SaaS version and the workload is run on Azure, was number 10 highest sold in Microsoft landscape. Wow. So, right. well, yeah. so, so that's what they said. And that's not me. That's what that session told me about that, that they were discussing that, that Satya said that particular solution is on the number 10 sales for the year. And I believe that's mainly because of the pandemic and everyone working from home and everyone needing a virtual desktop to be working. That I think that's what that number comprises of. Yeah, that's an interesting trend. And uh, it's interesting to see like the leveling off of the Horizon solution sales, right, per quarter when we look at it and they're like, why Why is Horizon, you know, leveling off in the cloud SaaS service model? Yeah, because uh, Raghu reports the, the numbers on our cloud business or businesses and our SaaS businesses. And I'm like, how how could you not, how could we not level off for the last year and a half? That's all people have been buying and implementing, right? In emergency fashion, they spent all they could just to move their infrastructure to kind of SaaS expandable, you know, desktops. And if you look at it, you can't even buy you know computers to go. There was such a shortage of hardware that that it's like, uh, yeah, we'll give everybody done terminals and they just put them on the cloud. And this is a way to get everybody where they needed to go. So. Yes, I think it was a. It's a big seller. Uh, Microsoft's clearly got an edge in this cloud service, which was where we talked about the cloud providers are going to have edges, right? And our multi-cloud solution is about allowing the enterprise to take advantage of which cloud provider has an edge in what solution, right? And and that's exactly what you're doing now. Exactly. I think this is this is going to remain and this is what is going to trend right now between now and the next few years this is the trend multi-cloud hybrid is the trend all right so we're at that we're coming up with the last five minutes of the hour these times just fly by thank you very much for sharing everything that you've done uh i always ask or usually matt does but matt had to drop off a question for you how do people follow you you've got the blog uh a-s-k-a-r E-S-H, and then, uh, which is basically a uh, Aresh. What, what is that? Ask Aresh. Ask Aresh. Ask Aresh. Oh, there you go. Ask, Ask Aresh. Aresh. Got it. I didn't yeah. get that. Okay. AskAresh.com. Go there. Great blog. Are you on Twitter? Other places yes. people can find you? Twitter is Ask Aresh as well, the handle. Perfect. And that's a great That's a great one. That's easy. Ask Aresh. Right. Right. Yep. A S K A R E S H dot com. Um, and then we'll bring Tony Foster in to talk a little bit about uh, barbecue at the end of the show. You can go check us out on YouTube on youtube.com slash V barbecue. Uh, and uh, we, you can see what we look like because we live stream over there. Uh, and uh, you can look through all our episodes uh, if you want to see what everybody looks like. Uh, Tony Foster, it's V barbecue time. I'll, I'll go to Tony Foes it first. Is. Tony, how's it going? You you did some really nice fish, I think last last week. Uh, anything going on this week? It's it's pretty chilly here in the yeah, Bay Area it, to be barbecue. It, it, it's a little cool here, but earlier uh, in the week it was nice and warm. Um, in fact, it was great weather to do pork burgers. So I uh, barbecued some pork burgers and 
really enjoyed the heck out of those along with some asparagus. Um, perfect pork burgers and asparagus. asparagus. I love it. Burgers. It's beautiful. Yes. Aresh, it is summertime in Australia, as you pointed out. Uh, do you ever get to barbecue? And what's what's great in Australia when it comes to barbecue? Uh, I love my Wagyu steaks. And we get a lot of Wagyu out here in Australia uh, because we export it as well. So I had just two days back, I had the Wagyu ribeye uh, oh. cooked on the grill. And <laughs> just no, the best part is, Little to no seasoning is what you need when you're cooking Wagyu because the meat itself is so flavorful. You don't want to put any, anything on any other power, anything. Just salt, pepper, that's about it. That's a funny thing because in the U.S. we have barbecue wars, right? Like uh, in in Southern California, mid mid Central California, uh, they're all about rubs. They're kind of in the, the, the space that you're at, which is good cattle, doesn't require anything, right? If you want to, you can do a rub, right? To, you know, accentuate some of the flavor, but that's about it. In Texas, there are a lot of sauces, you know, they're big on, you know, you know, you know, drip fat, saucy kind of concoctions with lots of smoke, right? So it just depends where you are. So in Australia, it's just, uh, they grow the beef better there. You get, you get Wagyu beef and you just, you just grill it and you're in heaven then. Absolutely. Very nice. I was expecting some exotic rattlesnake or some other animal that you might barbecue that would kill you because I know down there everything is trying to kill you if you go in the outback, right? That's fun to hear that. So those stories. Uh, glad that you get some great, great, great beef down there. That sounds that's, that sounds awesome. Uh, Aresh, thanks a lot for coming on, uh, telling us about your career, showing us your blog. Thanks for being a V expert and uh, being a part of the communities. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Eric. All right, guys, uh, we'll be back again next week. One last podcast before the holiday. We will be taking between uh, Christmas and New Year's off. We will not do a show on, I think, the 29th, I think it is, on that Wednesday. But we will be back again next week before the Christmas break. Uh, until then, everybody, go get some barbecue and have a great rest of your week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.